Thank you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. For more information on service times and location, please visit CompassionDanville.com. Now, let's enjoy this week's message. You know, when Jeff told me that I was going to be preaching this passage of Scripture, I was like, I, what? And then, as it always happens, God is like, this one was for you. And I was like, you're right, Lord. Every time it happens that way. And I'm always thankful at the end of a Sunday when I say, Thanks, thank you, Lord, because you were talking to me, weren't you? And he was like, yeah, I was talking to you. You need to know who you're dealing with when you are dealing with me. We're going to talk about Elijah today. You need to know who you're dealing with when we talk about Elijah. But first, you need to know who you're dealing with when you're dealing with Jackie Lynch. I looked up the meaning of my name. My name is not really Jackie. It's Jocelyn. Don't ever use it. It's Jocelyn. It's not Jocelyn. It's not Jocelyn. It's not Jacqueline. It's Jocelyn. I think my mama might have been still on the drugs when she named me. And I looked it up. And I couldn't even look up my own name because my name probably doesn't even exist. I had to look it up kind of like it sounds like if you take the E out. Okay, whatever. My name means member of the Goths. Ooh. Don't that just do it for you? Like if I was in a movie, I'd be the extra girl with the perm in the back and the green shirt. That's, that would be me. I'm just setting the world on fire, y'all. My name will just shake the rafters. I'm the girl that when the humidity gets up too high, I got the Ogilvy home perm going on. I'm the girl that God made to find justice in this world. I'm the one that comes across like a bulldozer. I don't mean to. I, I tell you, I don't mean to. But I'm the one that goes into a room, kicks down the door, and says, something ain't right. It ain't right. Now, my delivery is not always good. How I come across is not always exactly like it's supposed to be. And a whole lot of times, I have to apologize. But I meant what I said. I said what I said. Isn't it funny how we try to make these prophets, these Old Testament people, something unattainable? They couldn't possibly have been like us. But they were. They were human. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Elijah, it just so happens that his name means Jehovah is my God, okay? So we're, we're different there a little bit. Member of the Goths, Jehovah is my God. Okay, fine, fine. We're a little different there. But he defends the worship of God. He doesn't play. He performs miracles in the name of God. He is bold. He operates with authority and power. Y'all, he didn't even die. Elijah didn't even die. God just took him. But he was a man. Let me show you. We can relate to him in three ways. He was mislabeled. What do you mean, Jackie? I'm glad you asked me. 
he was mislabeled. Y'all, have you ever read 1 Kings 19? Raise your hand. Don't lie. Your mama's not here. Raise your hand. That's what I thought. That's why I didn't put it on the screen. I'm not going to. You know why? You ought to read it yourself. How do you know what I'm telling you is the truth unless you read it for yourself? I'm sorry, what'd you say? That's right. You should be reading the Bible for yourself. If you don't, you're just playing games. How do you know? To get to 1 Kings 19, you've got to go back to 1 Kings 18. And this is where me and Elijah click. You want to know how? My kids wouldn't even sit with me at their own games. My Alexandra played volleyball and softball, and I was that parent. I wish you would. I wish you thought you were going to come up against her. I would take out that grandma that was cheering right beside me for her daughter. If she thought she was coming up against mine, I was the one. My son Joe played basketball. Let that ref say he walked. Oh, no. Mm -mm. My my daughter would go in and sit on the other side. I said, where are you going, Alex? Not today. I'm not sitting with you today. I am so bad that Brandon asked me and Jeff to go to a game at Tunstall. Didn't have anybody playing. And I was saying to myself all the way up there, I'm not going to show myself. I'm not going to show myself. I'm not going to show myself. I had nobody playing in the game. About halfway through it, I, I was showing myself, and Jeff was telling me to sit down. You don't know him. You have no idea who that boy is. Sit down. So I have a tendency to be just a little bit of a thug. Well, Elijah did too. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. We go to 1 Kings 18, and Israel is a mess. Israel is a mess. King Ahab is evil. He's married to Jezebel. You've all heard that term. Country songs are infamous for talking about Jezebel. She was super evil. They worship Baal. Not God, not Jehovah, but Baal. They set up altars, and they build temples for Baal. But our God is a jealous God, and he's not having it. So that's where we meet Elijah. And Elijah goes to King Ahab, and he says, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will neither be dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Boom. Mic drop. Boy, do I like him. And then God says, okay, okay, Pitbull, let's go. I'm going to take you into hiding. And ravens come and feed him. And he's by a brook. And God takes care of him during this time of drought. Now, of course, what happens to the brook? It dries up. So God moves him to a widow. You need to read this story. When he finds the widow, the widow is sure that she is making her last supper for her and her son. You have to read this story, y'all. 
It's not the Last Supper at all because God does the miraculous again. And through Elijah, she brings, he brings her son back. It's an amazing story, and I'm not going to tell it to you because you have to read it for yourself. And then after three years, three years of no rain, no dew, no moisture at all, God says, okay, Elijah, go tell Ahab the drought is over. And Elijah does not question. Okay. And so he goes to Ahab and says, that's it. The rain is coming. The rain is coming. This whole time, Ahab's wife Jezebel hmm, has been killing the Lord's prophets the entire time. Elijah says, now I've had enough. And there's going to be a standoff. So now you're ready for 1 Kings 19. Have you ever been labeled a troublemaker? Go ahead and raise your hand. I've been labeled a troublemaker. Elijah is met with, is that you, you troublemaker of Israel? And as I was researching this, I I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) Elijah is doing everything right. Like he's defending the Lord. But here's what I know, y'all. Those that are doing wrong want you to leave well enough alone. More than anything else, they want you to leave well enough alone. And don't we teach society that? Mind your business. It does not concern you. Not your monkeys, not your circus. You do you, boo. Just keep looking straight ahead. It doesn't concern you. But not Elijah. Elijah invites Ahab and 450 prophets of Baal. It's a party. And he says, I tell you what. You bring your prophets and I'll bring my God. And let's see what happens. And Elijah addresses the crowd at Mount Carmel and says this, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. And I'm fin to show you. Man, what I wouldn't have given to have been there that day. You need to read this encounter. The sermon series is called Encounter. You need to take the time to read about this encounter. 450 to 1. Two bulls are sliced exactly the same. The altars are exactly the same. 450 to 1. Elijah says, y'all go ahead first. I'll just wait and see what your gods do. Little G, gods, have at it. 
I'm ready. Nothing happened. Nothing. So they start dancing around, shouting even louder. And old Elijah the thug said, y'all good? Everything okay over there? Oh, I would have loved to have been there. I would have egged him on so bad, y'all. So then they start cutting themselves, which was their custom. Can you imagine the frustration? Something better happen. So then Elijah goes deeper, and he says, hey, maybe your God is in the bathroom. Maybe he's just busy. Maybe they're just preoccupied. Oh, I would have loved it. Oh, I would have loved it. And then it was time for Elijah to do his thing. Well, he couldn't just do the simple. I wouldn't have. Would you? If I knew it was certain, oh, no. So he takes 12 stones and he builds, builds it up and he drenches the altar and he just has a field day with it. And my boy calls down fire from heaven. Boom. Wow. Can you imagine? Wouldn't you have wanted to be there? Sometimes people put a label on you that's not you at all. Sometimes you answer to a name that you should never have answered to begin with. Why in the world do we answer to it the first time? Sometimes we try to wear it and walk around in it thinking surely it's going to fit because they gave it to us. We take it home and put it in the closet and think surely it's That day at Mount Carmel, people fell on their faces. The rain came. Every promise of God was fulfilled, y'all. Elijah tucked his cloak in and took off running. My God, aren't you the troublemaker? I'm not the troublemaker. You are. Which leads me to the second point. Sometimes we're mistaken. Do you know what I mean? Elijah comes off this great victory. 450 prophets are slain by Elijah. He's not leaving anything to chance. He leaves nothing behind. All should be right in his world, right? You ever have that mountaintop experience? Meanwhile, back at the ranch, Ahab tells Jezebel all that has happened. And she sends a message to Elijah. And her message says this. May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life that of one of them. And I got to tell you, when I was reading it, I thought, oh, I can't wait to see what he says back to you. Come on, Elijah. What you going to say to that? Come on, boy. What you got for her? Like, you just, you just slayed 450. Come on. What you going to say to this woman? 
And guess what his response was? You don't know because you ain't read it, but I'm going to tell you. His response was, I'm afraid. And he took off running. Well, I put my drink down. And I, wait, what? I was with him there. Dude, I was with you. I was team Elijah. What you mean you were afraid? So I read it again. He was afraid, and he ran for his life. I had to put my book down. I had to put my Bible down, and I thought, that, mm, that can't possibly be true. Now, I'm no theologian. Jeff is. I haven't gone to seminary. Jeff has. And for whatever reason, God has me standing here. But when Jeff and I were coming home last night, Jeff said, what do you make of that passage of Scripture? And I said, here's what I think. No part of me believes that that man was scared of Jezebel. No part of me believes that at all. And here's why. If she was going to kill him, she would have already done it. She had no problem killing prophets of the Lord before, and she sure didn't send a Hallmark card telling them she was going to do it before she did it. Why would she have just sent a messenger to tell him? She was warning him that the gods were going to do to him. You mean the gods that didn't even show up? Those gods? They were going to punish him severely. They didn't even show up. And Elijah was scared of them? Or was she talking about the prophets? He, she was going to make him like the prophets? They were dead. So exactly what was Elijah scared of? Are you tracking with me? She was running her mouth about dead people. And about people that never showed up. What exactly was he afraid of? Here's what I think. That brother was tired. He was tired. Have you ever been there? I'm doing the best that I can. I just called down fire from heaven. God just did the miraculous, and that wasn't good enough? You still got something to say? You still don't believe in my God? Are you kidding me? He was mistaken to believe that people were going to believe in the God that he believed in with the passion that he believed he had seen the power of the Lord. It took one time for him, one and done. End of discussion. Let's all sing Kumbaya, I got it. But it's not always like that with everybody else. Can we all agree? In the next breath, here she came. Good Lord, you have got to be kidding me. Have you ever tried your best only to be met with, 
So he leaves. He leaves his servant behind, and he leaves by himself. He takes off, and that whole day he runs until he finds himself under a tree, and he says to God, I have had enough. Have you ever said to God, I have had enough? And he prays to die. I don't think it has anything to do with Jezebel at all. Doesn't have anything to do with the prophets. Doesn't have anything to do with anything other than he's exhausted. He says to God, just take my life. I'm not any better than anybody that's ever come before me. When I read that, it says to me, I gave it my best shot. I got nothing left. You ever felt like that? I was researching this week, and I came across a video from T.D. Jakes. And T.D. Jakes says, everybody has been assigned an angel, a person, and God himself. So if you keep reading in the story, God sends an angel And the first thing that the angel does is meet Elijah's physical needs. How many times in your life have you been hungry, angry, lonely, and tired, and you are ready to throw in the towel? Hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. The first thing the angel did was eat something, drink something, and get some sleep. The second time the angel comes to Elijah, it says, you need to eat and drink something because if you don't, this journey is going to be too much for you. But you know what the interesting part about the scripture is? This time the angel does not mention any physical food at all. Could it be that the angel said, you need to get in the word? Read it. The first time the angel comes, it specifically says that they baked bread and a jug of water. The second time the angel comes, the angel says, you need to feast. Could it be? The angel said, get into the word. If you, if you strike out, out on this journey by yourself, it's too much for you. But if you get into the word... So many times we go out into this world ready to storm hell with a water pistol by ourselves. How's that working for you? If we would just take the time to put on the armor of God, to let him lead, to figure out who we are and who he is, could it be that the journey would be so much better? God has Elijah travel for 40 days and 40 nights, and where does he end up? In a cave. You don't know that because you've never read it. He ends up in a cave. (laughs) We follow the rules. We go above and beyond for everybody else. We wouldn't dare color outside the lines for anything. Nothing. Nothing. 
and we end up in a cave. Why? So God can change our perspective. We go in with this, I'm not good enough. We are not what they're looking for. They're coming after us. We are completely misunderstood. They're sending us messages like, I heard what you did. I heard what you said. I heard what y'all believe over there at Compassion Church. Do you know why Jezebel was so furious with Elijah? Because her days were numbered. Elijah had figured that stuff out. He had proven that her gods and her words were useless. What was she going to do now? Her credit was destroyed. The devil can't take you out physically. And when he can't take you out physically, he's going for your mind. Psychologically, he plays games like intimidation and manipulation. Until you find yourself under a tree begging God to take you out. Because you have just had enough. And the devil is praying that you're isolated. That you really feel insignificant, irrelevant, useless, unqualified. That you are just kidding yourself. That you feel washed up. That you've had enough. Can I tell you something? That leads us to the point number three. You have been greatly misinformed. God has Elijah in this cave so he can get him to shut up and get his attention. Could it be that God has you in a cave right now so you'll shut up and he can get your attention? God says to Elijah, what are you doing here? Elijah says this to God. I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. He says that to the Lord God Almighty. Have you ever told the Lord all the things that you're doing for him? You ever felt like you're the only one left? You're the only one that's serving the Lord. You're the only one making a difference at all. The Lord said to Elijah, go out and stand on the mountain. The Lord is getting ready to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and just blew them apart. But the Lord wasn't in that. Not at all. And then there was a huge earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And then there was a fire, y'all. I won't mention the fire, Jeff. The Lord wasn't in the fire. But after the fire, there was a whisper. And that's when Elijah got it. That's when he heard the voice of the Lord. And then the voice said to Elijah again, what 
are you doing here? We love to be the victim, don't we? We love to play that victim, that victim's mentality. And he said it again, y'all. He replied, I have been so zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. You know the Lord was shaking his head. And if we fast forward to verse 18, the Lord tells Elijah, go back the way you came. And he shows him 7,000 Israelites that never bowed down to Baal, not even once. 7,000 people that were just like Elijah. God showed him he was not alone. God had to take him into the cave, tell him to shut up, pass by in the quietest way possible to show him he was not the only one. Let's talk about that still small voice, y'all. We look for God in the mega churches of 3,000 people with the powerful lights and all the music and the skinny jeans of the preacher. Surely God is there. We look at events in history like World War II and 9-11 when all of the country banded together and surely God was there. We visit the Grand Canyon and Niagara Falls and all of the wonders of the world and we think surely we're going to find God there. I'm here to tell you You are going to find God when you search for him with your whole heart. And when you just can't do that because you have had enough, he's going to put you in a cave. And he's going to tell you to shut up. And he's going to remind you who he is and who you are and that this victim mentality that you have It's not going to fly. And you're going to come out of that cave different than when you went in. God brings us into the cave to change our perspective on things, to give us a time out, to redirect our thoughts. We have to lead people to Jesus. We cannot possibly live our lives directing people to us. At no time in that cave does God ever talk to Elijah about his past. He only talks to Elijah about his future. So so let's do some business here, church. What are you doing here? My guess is, like Elijah, you've been running. You've been running ahead of the rain just like Elijah has. You're still running from that shame that's already been resolved by the cross. You're running from the sin that's already been forgiven. You're still running from that situation that God has already handled. You're still running from that outcome that only God can fix. 
All of these things have already been taken care of. You don't have to run anymore. God sent his son. And so that's already been handled. But you're still living your life like you have to deal with it. Stop running. You are looking for God in the wind. He's not there. You're looking for God in the earth-shattering events. He's not there. You're looking for God in this all-consuming fire. He's not there. And I'm telling you today, I'm challenging you today to stop and shut up long enough to find his still, small voice. But I'm asking you today, do you even know what it sounds like? Do you even know what the voice of God sounds like? My guess is you probably need to start right there. Today I'm asking you to turn around and run back. Back from where you came from. Back from the things that God has already resolved. It's okay. Run back. We find that still small voice when you allow him to call you by your name. It doesn't matter what Google says your name is. When God calls me Jackie, when I hear him call me by name, oh my God. When I hear him call me daughter, whew, when I hear him call me fire starter, when I hear him call me anything, that meaning is everything to me. People try to say I'm a troublemaker, but I'm not. I require people to handle my God the way he should be handled. I try so hard to be this meek and mild and sweet and shy and quiet person. It just doesn't fit. I really try. Why would I even try? For a hot minute, I really, really tried to put on the mantle of troublemaker. And I shied back from the calling that God had on my life. And I put on the clothes of unqualified, attention seeker. Somebody even tried to put unsafe on me, disrespectful, prideful. Nothing could have been further from the truth. Y'all, I wake up every day and I can't believe that God would use me. What you may see as pride, I'm telling you, I'm coming with every bit of humility I have. I'm telling you today, I am shaking off every bit of labels that man has ever tried to put on me. It's in those times that you and I become afraid. When we listen to the world and what they try to say about us, those are the times that we become afraid. Those are the times that we start running. Those are the times that we become depressed. Those are the times that we become discouraged. Those are the times that we say under that tree, God, I'm no better than anybody that's ever come before me. Those are the times. It is so easy to mistake the calling that God has put on our life, to mistake the anointing, 
to mistake the passion. It is so much easier to believe there's no way that God would use you. God has called you out. God has separated you, my friends. God has made you different. He has set you apart. He has called you to be a light. Why not be what he has called you to be? You cannot settle for being lazy. That's when you get depressed. He's not called you to not serve him. That's when you become discouraged. Talk to me about sitting in your pew and being comfortable all you want to. That's not what he's called you to do. We give up because we've been hurt before. We give up because we've been discouraged before. Depression is a real thing, and it's a tool of the enemy. Isolation is a real thing, and it's a tool of the enemy. Discouragement, despair, exhaustion, they are all real, and they are tools of the enemy. Church, it's time to change the perspective. Someone needs to listen for that still, small voice of God. Someone needs to whisper about the power that God has had in your life. Someone needs to shut up long enough for God to remind you who you are and who he is. Someone needs to whisper in your ear that you are trying to handle things that God has already taken care of. Someone needs to whisper in your ear that the weapons formed against you are not going to prosper. Someone needs to whisper in your ear that fear is a liar. Someone needs to whisper in your ear that you, in fact, are a survivor. Someone needs to whisper in your ear that you are a child of God and that you cannot be contained. Someone needs to whisper in your ear that man cannot curse what God has blessed. Someone needs to whisper to you that you are not alone. He has not once left you. But at the end of the day, church, what are you doing here? Let's be real. What are you doing here? <laughs> if you're not going to support the ministries of this church, what are you doing here? If you aren't going to use your God-given talents to reach the lost, what are you doing here? If you aren't willing to come and celebrate Hope Center Ministries graduation night and you're okay with them having mentors four hours away and that mentor making time to go four hours out of his way and you won't come across the street and they don't have enough people to mentor them and they are being mentored by Zoom calls from Roanoke. What are you doing here? If you want to keep living your life on your own terms and you want to play church, what are you doing here? If you're not interested in serving or getting connected, what are you doing here? If your intentions are to run down Pastor Jeff and the sermons that you hear and the Compassion Network and what we believe in, what are you doing here? My last point is, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, what are you doing here? Thank you for listening to this podcast. 
presented by Compassion Church. For more information on service times and location, please visit CompassionDanville.com.